1: Life if you give your
0: heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through
1: You'll be set for life. It made me think of a situation I was in at work when I used to work in radio. We had this uh, software company that put software in our radio gear that made things work right. And there was something that wasn't working right. And so we got into this, this argument with the software company. The, our, our company and the software company were in this battle over whose fault it is. <laughs> it's like, this is going wrong. This thing is not working. And they're like, no, it works just fine. And there was an argument back and forth, back and forth. And I got tired of having to deal with the problem that it was causing for me, the technician, that just needed things to just work. I need things to just work. Let's just get the job done. So I got tired of hearing the white collars go at it. So I decided to get a piece of gear that that had the problem and set up a test bench and, and try to reproduce the problem. And I reproduced the problem, and I zeroed in on where it was, and it was the software. So I took my data as proof, I made an email, I said, here's something I did, and I sent it off, and you know, here's the proof, and the software people had to go, oh, it is us. <laughs> and the company was very happy that I did this. And I, I didn't care, I just wanted it to work. Well, there was this other fella in, in the company, he got a hold of my email, and he took exactly the data I did, and he copied it, and he sent it out as though he's the one that did that work. And people were telling me this guy in California is trying to steal your credit. I said, I don't care. I don't care. I just want the stuff to work. <laughs> I just want to come to work and have everything working. That's all I care about. I was not looking for promotion, recognition, or nothing. I just wanted to get the job done. And as a result, what ended up happening, and I'm not, I'm, let me put this up front, I'm not saying this to boast, I'm just letting you know. Uh, the company I worked for, they had two major award systems in the company. I'm the only person to date that has ever won both of those awards in the same month. Now, I was lifted up in that recognition because I just wanted to get the job done. The guy that tried to steal my credit, he got in trouble. What we're going to see here in Esther 5, there is a guy named Haman. He's trying to look for credit and recognition, and he wants all the exaltation and look at me, woohoo! Woo-hoo. And then you got Mordecai who doesn't care about that. He just wants to get the job done. And what's the job? He wants to get see the Jews saved. That's all he's after. And we're going to see one of them get lifted up and one of them get taken down. In Esther 5 and 1. Now it happened on the third day. That means they've been praying first. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house, facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you. Up to half the kingdom. (laughs) You know, if the king did not extend his scepter to you, you were not invited. You were not approved of being there. And he extended the scepter, and she went and touched it, right? But what an incredible moment. A personal invitation by the king. Now, it was against the law for anybody to go in there. You can't just go in there uninvited under penalty of death. Mordecai said, you better say something. And so Esther decided to walk in, and she said in the previous chapter, if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die. And wow, what faithful bravery she had. Courage, if I die, I die. And so for Esther to have been given an invitation by the king, she had to pass from law to favor. Because the law says, you come in here, you die. Something had to happen uh, that, that I made a point in the previous chapter that something had to happen for the law to stop to, to where she would not be killed by going in there to where she passed from law to favor. And that is a picture for us in Jesus Christ. In Romans 10 and 4, if you're into CB radio, that's easy to, to remember. Romans ten four. <laughs> Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law. God told Moses, no one can see my face and live. Why? Because we're sinners. We are guilty. The law says you sin, you die. You cannot go into the king. You don't have an invitation. But Christ is the end of the law. That's where it stops. The law can't touch you there. Now you can have favor with the king. Because of Christ, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness without being condemned to die. That's what I find great about this part of Esther. And so now that Esther's with the king, he approves, notice that she has not yet uttered a single word. She has something very important. She hadn't said nothing, hadn't said anything yet. And the king already knew that she had a request. He said, he asked her, what is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. That's the king's way of saying, you want it, you got it. That's what favor looks like. Do you realize you can ask for things in request to God? It's great. And so a good and wealthy king has great joy in giving wonderful gifts. We serve a great and wealthy king. He loves to give gifts. Esther 5 and 4. So Esther answered, if it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, bring Haman quickly, that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. Now, I want you to notice two particular details in what Esther had just said. Let's be very observational. First, really what I want you to notice is what she did not say. She had not yet voiced her request for the Jewish people. That's really what she's in there for, is because the Jewish people are in trouble. She did not say anything about that. But secondly, she invited them to a banquet, quote, that I have prepared, past tense. She already prepared it. She already did this banquet. She already set it up. Now think about this for a minute. She was originally apprehensive about breaking the law and going in before the king under fear of death. But before doing so, she had already prepared the banquet. She had already had the, the Jews fast and pray with her. And so because of fasting and praying, even though she couldn't see the future, and before she knew what was going to happen to her, if she went in, she went ahead and prepared the banquet anyway. She already did this work. She did not say to the king, this is what she did not say. She did not say, if I prepare a banquet, will y'all come? She didn't ask that. What she said was, I have prepared a banquet. She's going into this like something's going to happen. You see what's going on? Woo! Oh, they're all praying, and she's operating her faith into her works before she knew what the king's response would be. And also, imagine what all goes into a banquet. All the, the food and all the drinks galore to make a banquet, and all this she did while fasting. <laughs> Guys, when I smell barbecue, I can barely contain myself. As a matter of fact, if y'all want to go to Spring Creek barbecue later today, I'm all for it. But when you look at the fact that Esther had the discipline and the faith to prepare an entire banquet while fasting and before she knew what the king was going to do, that's faithful moving right there, guys. We need to learn from that. You don't know what's coming. I know you don't. You can't see what's coming. But you know what? Go ahead and prepare as though you're going for the hopeful things, for the good things, and be prayerful about it, and put your faith and your works together. But not only this, let's look at another aspect. The king offered to grant her request up to half the kingdom. Half the kingdom. How many people do you think would have taken that? Half the kingdom? Yeah. (laughs) Let's take it. All right. Where's my half? Let's go. But Esther is not looking for promotion. She's just trying to get the job done. She's not looking for promotion. She's got the salvation of the Jewish people on her mind. So she did not spring at the opportunity to get half the kingdom. But I guarantee you, if Haman had been offered half the kingdom, he would have jumped all over it. Because that's the way Haman is. Esther is showing sacrificial, disciplined selflessness for others. With the attitude, if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. But yet she still set up that entire banquet, even though she didn't know what the king was going to do. we got to live like that, guys. we got to live for sacrificially for others and just prepare for things like we know what's going to happen. Well, I can't see what's going to happen. Yeah, that's faith. Faith is the assurance of things not seen. Okay? She's working with faith here. Disciplined selflessness here. Esther 5 and 6. At the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? It shall be granted you. What is your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. Can you hear the excitement? The king's joyful in offering this. Verse 7, Then Esther answered and said, My petition and request is this. If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman... Come to the banquet, which I will prepare for them. And tomorrow, I will do as the king said. Okay, this time, she's inviting them to another banquet that she has yet to prepare. Here's another one that's coming. The first banquet was for, she's showing her honor and her dedication, her loyalty, and her love for her king first. She's showing that respect to him. And and while I'm here, guys and girls out there, hear me. guys. If you want your woman to respect you, love her. Girls, if you want your guy to love you, respect him. Okay? Esther is putting all this up front first before she's even voicing everything. She's doing all this because she wants the favor of the king, and boy, is she getting it too. Okay? Guys, if you want that, you know what to do. Girls, if you want that, you know what to do. Respect him, love her, up front, and see what happens. Okay, so this banquet is showing honor, dedication, loyalty, the love of her king first. She isn't just cutting straight to the point, coming in and saying, I want something. <laughs> and you, you ever known people, you ever had people around you, they only wanted you around because they wanted what they could get out of you? You, you know, the fair weather friends, they just want you for what you can give them. Okay, they're not your friend. They're not your friend. Esther is going above and beyond what is necessary here to show her, her her devotion before ever making any request at all because her love for the king is far above anything she could ever get from him. She has the whole half of the kingdom offered. That's not what she's after. She's after other things for other people. She's being very selfless. But Haman is quite the opposite. And in verse 8, Esther invited Haman to attend the banquet too. And for a guy like Haman, who is so arrogantly steeped in pride, looking for that promotion, he really takes the invitation the wrong way. (laughs) He takes it the wrong way. Oh, she asked me to come. All right. Not going to be good for him. He thinks the whole universe revolves around him. Now, this is really something for opportunists, people who are trying to push themselves up and I have to be better and I have to be better. You watch what happens in this story to Haman versus the people that say, I'm just going to go ahead and put myself low for other people. This is quite a good comparison here in this story in Esther. Esther 5 and 9. So Haman went out that day joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, and that he did not stand or tremble before him, he was filled with indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. And he sent and called for his friends and his wife, Zeresh. Then Haman told them of his great riches, the multitude of his children, everything in which the king had promoted him, and how he had advanced him above the officials and servants of the king. Moreover, Haman said, Besides, Queen Esther invited no one but me to come in with the king to the banquet that she prepared and tomorrow I am again invited by her along with the king yet all this avails me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him let a gallows be made 50 cubits high and in the morning suggest to the king that Mordecai be hanged on it then go merrily with the king to the banquet And the thing pleased Haman, so he had the gallows made. Haman, Haman, Haman. You just don't get it, do you? (laughs) And look, build it 50 cubits high, why do you need a gallows that high? He really wants to put Mordecai on insulting display. He wants to really ridicule this guy, make an example out of him. Haman, you just don't get it, though. Selfish, arrogant pride. It's about me. Self-promotion, I have to push myself up, and any little bit of move you get, you're like, look what I did, look what I did. That will blind you, that will blind you, you can't see nothing. Haman can't see what's going on, and it's it's obvious, at least to us reading, but he can't see it. He's blind as a bat, and he's so happy about his promotion, he thinks he's getting. But he hates Mordecai so much, he can't even enjoy what he's got. Now, people that are trying to move up, move up, move up, they're always looking at somebody else that has something else. There's always somebody out there that just, just bothers them, and you just can't get past it. And, and it, it distracts the focus. He said, all this avails me nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew at the king's gate. His hatred is so bad, he can't even be happy with the party. So the family said, hey, kill Mordecai, and then you can go have fun at the party, right? Makes sense? Take him out, then you can go enjoy yourself. Now, did you notice that Haman's family isn't very much better than Haman is? (laughs) They're all a bunch of wicked, just a, a, a bad clump altogether, aren't they? What we've seen here in Esther is we've seen a great comparison of two different kinds of people to look at. Esther has been receiving godly advice and wisdom from Mordecai to approach the king, but Haman is receiving ungodly direction from his family. These are two very opposite different people groups. Now some application for us in this story comes from the fact that Esther had already prepared her banquet before she saw how the king would react. And fasting and prayer, she was operating by faith. Haman is not Haman's operating by hate. Esther's operating by faith. Hebrews 11:1. I think I've referred to this. Faith is the is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Esther's going into this. I, Esther's like I don't know what's going to happen but i'm going i'm going by faith and so esther pleased the king and therefore he was good to reward her for her diligence for her persistent effort and it's going to pay off it's going to pay off hebrews 11:6 god is like this hebrews 11:6 says without faith it is impossible to please god for he who comes to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What a wonderful picture in chapter five here that we've been given of our king of kings in the story. If you will devote yourself to Jesus because you love him, not just for what you think you can get out of him at your convenience, I've seen people do that and it still goes on. They, they show up when they want something. But if you will love him and pursue him just because you love him, you realize you will hang out and do the things you love, the things you truly love, you'll do. Nobody has to make you do them. You'll do them. (laughs) If you really love Jesus, you'll pursue him. For real. Nobody will have to say, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go to church. Come on, let's go do this For, for the Lord. Nobody has to make you do righteous things. You'll want to do it because you love him. And it's not just for what you can get out of him. You know, Esther's really trying to demonstrate she's not treating the king that way. She didn't come in, hey, we need something. She came in showing her love and her devotion, her honor to respect the king. And he responded to that, yeah, half the kingdom, what do you want? That's, that's showing love right there. So if you will look at God as, as, as one that you love and not just what you can get out of him, but a love that will make you alter yourself so that you'll look pleasing to him. That's one thing about Esther. She put the royal robes on. She presented herself in a way. She had everything on. She looked pleasing to the king. She didn't just walk in with dedication. She walked in looking good. Guys, how many of you like it when your girl shows up? She looks great. (laughs) She looked good. And we need to look good with the righteousness of Christ on us. You've got to walk in it you got to love walking in it. You have to I can't get enough of it. You'll look real good to God, and he'll respond to that, just like this king is doing here. But she came in with a persistent drive to look for the king. King Jesus loves to reward and grant us our requests if we will pursue him. Don't do your own life, do your own thing your own way, and then go, oh, I want something. Hey, Jesus, I need something. That's not diligently looking for him. He, reg- he offers requests, if you'll diligently look. And so, we also saw how the king already knew that she had a request before she even said anything. She didn't even say anything yet. He knew she had a request. Matthew 6 and 8 says, your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. He knows before, like I said, a good and wealthy king, he loves to give great gifts and the Father loves to give to us, because that is an expression of His joy for us. So don't be nervous about asking God for things when He already knows what you need. I have to ask the things for, uh, ask things of the Lord, but He already knows. Well, then why do we have to ask then? Because He wants you to ask, so that when you do voice it and you get it, you'll go, oh, I just asked for that. That had to be God. <laughs> So we're asking things for this congregation of this church and for myself personally. We ask for things for our friend, uh, pastor in Nigeria. And God is good and he loves to reward those who diligently seek. So anyway, Philippians 4 and 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And that's another thing Esther did. She put away her anxiety. Oh, if I go in there, it's against the law, I'm going to be, then she come around. She goes, okay, if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. She put her anxieties away. Be anxious for nothing. She put it away after Mordecai suggested that maybe she was made queen for just this occasion. And so she came to the king with prayer and supplication. We know that the Jews have been praying and fasting for her, but what is supplication? Supplication is the action of asking for something very humbly. That supplication. Mordecai told her, you've got to go ask, you've got to go say something. And so Esther prayed first before adorning herself with robes so that she could have that pleasing appearance before the king. Now, for us in this dying world that we live in right now, to look pleasing to Jesus, the king, we can't be looking like the world. She put on those robes. That didn't look normal. If we put on the righteousness of Christ, that does not look normal, does it? I'm telling you, it don't. (laughs) Ray, I don't know. Walking in Christ, I really stick out like a sore thumb. Hey, use it. That's people looking at you. They'll notice that. Us in this dying world, we're going to, we can't look like the world because it's not pleasing to the king. And it first takes the preparation of prayer and supplication, humble asking. And Esther prayed by faith for three days. She didn't pray five minutes, three whole days with fasting while she set up the banquet. <laughs> now, that's tough. Before she even came into the king, she really prepared. If you have a request of God, he already knows what it is. But if you're not praying by faith first, then you have really no right to ask. God, just give me something because I want it. Are you diligently seeking him? He's a rewarder of that. You know, And the reason I say this is because prosperity preaching says you can just ask God for anything you want. And he'll, he'll just give it to you. The problem is that when people do this and they don't receive what they ask for, then they end up thinking that either God is not real or that they're not good enough, and it leaves them broken and hurt.
0: Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry
1: for Life. You'll be set for life. you have all you need. Just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set.